Welcome to Remix the Narrative. Remix the Narrative is a podcast that discusses the issues and topics that impact children, families, and education. Through dialogue, we discuss the good, bad, great, and ugly with the hopes to promote change. Tune in to get expert advice and tools to help the whole family. Today's episode is entitled Money Talk. And to join this conversation, I have the wonderful Rachel Hannibal. Rachel? Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm unstoppable. How are you? Oh, I love it. I love that. <laughs> I am great. I am wonderful. And so um, I am so excited to have you on the line, just be able to have this conversation because it's definitely a topic that many people have suggested that I do. And so when I thought about the perfect person to talk about it, it was you. And so I am I'm so grateful that you were able to come on. But before we jump into the conversation, I would love for you just to share a little bit about your background so people can know um, just your expertise and just like what led you to even be interested in this topic about money. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I grew up in a, hmm, a financially challenged home, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, single parent household. And I just knew that there was, there was more to life and I had to find what that more was when it came to finances, when it came to financial freedom. Um, and so I created a plan to be completely debt free, including my student loans. I wanted to have a credit score of over 800. And I wanted to save a year's worth of my income in cash. And I did all of that before my 30th birthday. So so I decided to spend a lot of my spare time going back into the community that I came from, just going back into the churches, the schools and different community centers that I used to um, be a part of to just kind of like use my story as an example of, you know, I found that there is more to life. You just, you know, be diligent with certain things, create a plan with your finances. You don't have to be in debt. You don't have to be paycheck to paycheck. And um, I am now the founder of Financial of Missing Peace Financial Group, P-E-A-C-E. Um, and I travel to different schools, different churches and other organizations, teaching kids about money, teaching adults about money, too. Um, and just, again, using my life story as an example um that financial freedom you can achieve it and is great on this side <laughs> wow i mean even you just sharing that that was your goal like and you saying that that wasn't necessarily your upbringing what what would you say before you maybe have learned all these different you know skills and strategies in order to save to help others like what helped you like who or what was it that led you to be able to come up with this game plan? Was it just doing your own research or did you have someone who came along and helped you as well? Oh, I did it. I did it on my own. Um, Cause I, I grew up in a household for the most part, like many of us, we didn't have a lot of conversations about finances in that way, you know, like at the dinner table and things like that. Um, So it was just something I figured I just had to figure this out. And I started to create my own plan, create uh, goals and just kind of day by day, just, you know, just trial and error, but just, you know, one foot in front of the other every day, one step close to my goal. And I finally got to it. I love it. So just joining into or going into this conversation about money, 
Uh, what would you say, like, as you said, you work with children, you also work with their parents and families. What would you say is the biggest pitfall that families that you work with struggle with when it comes to their finances? Hmm, I would say the biggest thing is not having hope. Mm. I think that once you have hope, Thing. Um, even when you have down moments, you still feel encouraged to, to find a new way, find a new plan. And and when I travel a lot, a lot of times that's when I see people that hope. Um, they kind of get settled into this poor mindset of just believing that things will always be the way they've always been. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't, you know, encourage you to do anything more if you just feel like, you know, it's above you, or, you know, there's nothing you can do. And so that is one of my main things to always do uh, is is to offer hope um, to to those people and, and and hope that they would use that inspiration to just see things a little bit differently when it comes to money. You know, I did not expect that to be what you said. Now that I just think about it, I'm like, even myself, you know what I mean? When I think about money or things that I'm trying to save for, it's, especially when you're in a, a tight situation, you could feel like, well, I can't even start saving right now you know what I mean like I I I'm I'm really in a situation where it is kind of like paycheck to paycheck and just thinking about people in my life who I've talked to when it comes to money I'm just like man once I'm here then I can save right now I just got to kind of survive and I think just having that mindset of being hopeful that no actually let me do what I can with what I have now because then when I do get more I could be more responsible with that amount. Like if I can't really even manage what I currently have, how am I going to be able to handle if I do get more money? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what would you say, like as a parent, you know, and as like adults, as we're trying to like, you know, retrain like our mindsets when it comes to money, what would you say is how soon should we start having these kind of conversations with our children when it comes to money and the way we manage it and saving it? Oh, I would say as soon as possible um, because many studies have shown that our relationship with money is sealed by the age of seven. So whether, yeah, whether it's a really good relationship or really good, we're creating triggers and constantly, especially when we're talking about children, we're creating connections and we're creating triggers. And so either it's a really great, you know, connection or some terrible triggers that we are um, just instilling and it's being sealed in by the age of seven. Mm. So, yeah, I know, right? So, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when I first started doing research on these things and I saw all those studies that proved that, I was just so blown away because I kept trying to think of what did I hear about money before seven? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But there are those little side conversations, the things that we don't think our kids are listening to those, those conversations in the car on the way home from the mall, those, you know, all that stuff, those, those um, anxiety moments that happen around the holidays. Yeah. Things the kids are pulling in all that stuff and they're creating triggers and creating connections with money. So to me, I would say as soon as possible, as soon as possible. Wow. You know, and it's so funny you say that because just this past year, my son just turned eight and we were having a conversation when it came to money because um, like you said, it's like learned behaviors, this thing that you see. And so for me, I have, um, learned so many things when it comes to managing my money but he would see me often 
like paying with my card, right? Or paying for certain things in that way. Or if I'm like, oh, we need to get something, just getting it off Amazon. And so for him, in his mind, he's like, oh, well, he doesn't necessarily understand that it's a connection between Amazon and my bank account. And is this not an automatic thing? Or even when I swipe, like what that relationship was. And I had to realize that just because the way he would approach things like, oh, we need that. Just get it off Amazon or, oh, just, just pay for that. And so it led me to like have conversations with him about like, well, you know, I actually budgeted for that. We just don't buy it. And then I found an app, right. Um, that someone has shared with me when I went to this um, financial conference and it's called Greenlight, right? And it's for um, like being able to help kids with managing money and they even come with a little card and they're able to, like when he does his chores, he can get paid on every Sunday and just being able to show him what that looks like to be able to, you know, there's going to be a time when you can't swipe, you know what I mean? Or there's going to be a time when you are saving for something and you need to be able to, you know, just because you got paid doesn't mean you spend it. And so that even you just said that I, did, I didn't even think about the conversation we had earlier this year, but it's because of that reason. He just felt like, oh, just just get your car down, mind just pay for it. <laughs> but it also showed me it just showed me that that's a habit he sees me do often. So I need to kind of put myself in check and be able to have that real conversation with him about what is happening behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, um, so I guess that leads, that leads to the next question I have, which is like, what do you think are some daily habits that could help with managing our money better? Oh, it's, it's a lot of small things that can make a big difference. Um, one of the things is having daily balance alerts. You know, some a lot of people, we overspend because we don't know how much we have. And so, like, there's an email that comes to me every morning that tells me how much money I have available in my everyday account. So before I brush my teeth, <laughs> I know how much money I have. And I think a lot of times we're just spending and swiping and all of that and don't even realize that we don't, you know, how much we spend it. Yeah. How much we have. So I say daily balance alerts, uh, uh, having a, a daily spending limit. Throughout my journey of saving a year's worth of cash, I had a daily spending limit. So I knew before I put my head to the pillow if I was on track or not. I didn't have to wait till the end of the year when oh. tax time came. I didn't have to wait until the end of the quarter, end of the, end of the month, or anything like that. I mean, I knew day by day if I was on the right path or not, if I needed to make a change or not instantly instead of waiting until, like I said, the end of the year, like a lot of other people. Um, give me yourself a weekly yeah. allowance amount because what happens is like those little we hear the little uh little leaks can sink a whole book, and so we have those little leaks in our in our budget, and we don't even realize because we're not paying any attention. We think oh, it's only two dollars, or oh, it's only three dollars, but it adds up over time, and that is just we just throw money out the window. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, before I can even go to my next question, I really have to know <laughs> how did you how did you pay off your student loans? Like, what what I mean, it, was it a because that, that is to be honest a huge thing, especially for those who have went to college and and for me, like getting like graduate degrees and that that stuff comes with you know different loans. I didn't have any 
which I was grateful for. I didn't have any debt from undergrad. All of my debt is from graduate school. However, with that even being said, just being in a space of like, okay, how do I get rid of this debt? Because you hear about people who've had their student loans forever. Like, they go to the grave with yep. them, You know what I mean? So, like, like how were you able to... Um, I think many people want to hear that. Like, what was your plan as far as paying that off? And then I would love to talk about how did you come up with a plan as far as like saving for a year? So I, I put all my this together. It's time I had a brand new car, um, like brand new, which was a bad idea, but <laughs> like it still had the plastic on it. <laughs> um, it, was, it was a bad, it was a bad idea, but um, I had to make it turn into a good investment. So I put all of my, you know, debts together between the credit cards that I owed and, and the, the brand new car and even the student loans. And I basically, you know, created a plan that I'm going to, you know, make some extra money on the side. I started to sell Avon, started to do things here and there. I was getting like seasonal positions around the holidays, so just for a cashier or just for this. I'm um, just, just throwing all the extra money that I was making towards all of my debts. And I was started off with just paying extra $5 above what they asked me for, for the student loans a month, just extra $5 a month. And then the more I had, okay, I'm adding extra $10 a month. So it was, it was a slow gradual in the beginning. Um, when I had those in between moments when I wasn't, you know, like, uh, working for the holidays or anything like that but I had little side jobs here and there that would you know again it was small additional you know part-time jobs but it added up to you know me saving money being able to put more towards all of my debts and then saving on that interest over time and ended up being able to completely become debt-free debt-free dates it was a particular date that I wanted to be debt-free, and I did the math, and I said, if I'm consistent with being able to pay at least this mu- this amount every year, in this amount of years, I will be able to pay off my car, I'll be able to pay off my student debt. So I always encourage all of my friends debt-free dates. Give yourself a deadline. Give, you know, give it a, a death date. <laughs> Well, yes, yeah, death to Cardinals and all that stuff. Like, give it a death date, you know, and you know, work towards that. Create a realistic plan. Again, maybe you have to start off with the extra five dollars a month, like I did, um, and you can grow from that. But I always say, start small, but start today, because when you're dealing with those kinds of things, um, your interest is every day. Every day, you're not paying it interest yeah. is is and I think at that time I calculated that they were adding an extra dollar fifty a day on top of the money I already owe for student loans and I was like oh no I already don't want to pay what I owe <laughs> right so, exactly it, and you know what it was the same thing with the saving too you know originally I just wanted to have an emergency fund uh, three to six months is what they say emergency fund should be and then once I got that it became a little contest that I was having internally. Like, let me see how much I could save. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, once I got to the year's worth of income, I said, well, this is what I'll do. I'll use this money and I'll buy myself a house for my 30th birthday. And so since I was completely debt free, I was like, sure, I can just go ahead and, and, and buy this home. So 
it was just it was just a better oh my god it's just a better way of it's just, you sleep better you know when you're debt free yeah i wasn't getting any mail for a long period of time <laughs> but it, it's it's good it's good man that's so dope man so i think just also along that line I think there's things that people can consider when they're trying to get that free. And so these are just some questions that came to mind just with this conversation, just because um, a lot of these, you know, these are just thoughts that we have. Okay. So say I'm in a situation where I have, you know, this bad credit or, you know, debt here and there, debt there, like as a financial advisor, what's your outlook when it comes to bankruptcy? Well, I will say there is a bright side in and after everything. Um, create goes back to what I said before. Give your create a goal, create multiple goals. Yeah, but you have to create a budget, an effective budget, and a realistic plan that connects to that goal. Those particular goals. I think a lot of times we don't have exact targets. Um, we just like, oh, I'm going to be better. Or I'm going to eat better or I'm going to, but we don't have specific um, Mm. things that we're going to do day by day to help us get to whatever that better is and define that better. Um, Financial freedom is different from person to person. Your definition of that is going to be different from mine. But even Mm -hmm. after bankruptcy, create a plan, create a plan, give it color, give it exact tell you know picture yourself being there what whatever it is um, whether it is um you know taking trips or whether it is paying for your kids to go to college whatever it is give it color give it a name give it a date and create a realistic budget a realistic plan of step by step and i would say you know do one thing on that list every day just do one thing that's going to get you one step closer to where you want to be if you do that at the end of a year, you're like, oh, I am. <laughs> I've made a lot of progress. You know what I mean? But exactly. if you can do one small thing. You know, some days it may be you just Googling something, getting more information about something. Another day could be you making a phone call or going down to a particular place. It's or, or maybe booking a session with a coach or whatever it may be. But I say do one thing, at least one thing every day that's going to get you one step closer to your goal and away from, you know, that regret that you may be feeling from bankruptcy. Because it's a lot of, like, negative feelings that come with, um, you know, like our our financial habits that have gotten us into different holes that we feel like we can't climb out of. So I say whatever you have to do one step at a time to get you away from that and towards the better, just do it. I love it. I think just... Overall, just not having a goal, you you're just kind of going day by day. You don't really have something you're aspiring from and, and aspiring to, and then it just goes back to the beginning of like just having hope, right? So if I see that, you know what, maybe I have this large amount of debt to get rid of, but if I set a goal that each day I'm going to save five dollars, if by the end of the week I have that. I'm going to feel great because I actually set a goal and I stick to it. You know what I mean? And so you'll start seeing those little incremental things start to come about. What would you say um, just just continuing with the conversation would be a 
a, a thing when it comes to saving money. So again, these are just things that I've heard just in conversations. Like there's there's ways that we can start building wealth and building healthy habits within our families that um, we don't necessarily always think about. And so one way that I've heard in multiple arenas, uh, whether it was like a workshop or like recently a friend had like a financial team talking about ways that people haven't thought about money. And it was about with life insurance, right? Like being able to make sure that you're secure and making sure that you have like these different things in place for your family. And that ultimately, I mean, it's not necessarily, of course, the ideal way, but that, that is a way in which families have helped to kind of alleviate some of that debt because they did have things in, in place. And then when that money comes, it's like, okay, now your family does have that to use. What What is your outlook when it comes to like those different ways to be able to start building um, like some stability financially within your family? So yeah, and life insurance is definitely a huge thing, um, especially ones that have like cash value. Um, they are really good for yes, to help, us not have to figure out uh how we're going to bury you that's number one putting money together and all of that but also whatever debt you may leave behind whatever responsibilities you may leave behind um that is very helpful and also yeah whatever extra cushion whatever extra loving you might want to leave us too you know people always say if you go to check out leave a check so (laughs) um, exactly (laughs) Um, but also, you know, even considering saving money for when it's time for us to take care of our elderly loved ones, we don't consider Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, whether it be, you know, medical expenses, whether it is a senior living home or whatever the situation may be. I know everyone has, you know, different issues and things that may come up or different sicknesses and illnesses and, and unfortunate things that come up. Our generation now, actually our biggest issue is shifting from student loan debt to taking care of our parents and our grandparents. Um, because yeah. now we have a lot of people who are opting out of going to four-year colleges and things like that and becoming entrepreneurs younger. But we also have, which is a beautiful thing, our grandparents are living longer they're living longer because mm. they're not on all of the stuff that we've been putting in our our bodies and our environment and stuff like that. So my grandfather lived to be 90 years old. And so oh, I'm thinking if someone is yeah. retiring at 65, we're like, that's a long time of having to care for someone. And so yeah. I think that is something that, Um, I'm starting to bring up more and more and more in my workshops and in my one-on-ones because it's less and less becoming a student loan thing and more and more becoming, what am I going to do with my mom? What am I going to do with my grandma? How, because that takes a lot of money to do that. And we don't consider that. So that is another way, because even if I do have money, I'm going to have to you know, suck it all out. People take out extra mortgages and things to take care of their parents. Yeah. So, um, of course, the the everyday things like having an emergency fund, having a cushion, investing in stocks, and and feeding into a, a, a IRA or something like that. Um, just letting that pile up as early as possible. Um, and home ownership too. Home ownership too. A lot of times we don't. 
um, especially now, young, again, our generation, we're not thinking of, let me own where I live. Uh-huh. You know, we're young, free-spirited. I don't want to be locked down to anything for 30 years. Who knows? I might want to pack up and move across the world two years from now or whatever. And then we end up not owning anything. Exactly. Yeah. And I always say, always say, either own or be owned. It's, mm. There's literally only two options. Um, And so you'll never be free if you don't actually own anything. So... Those are the main things that I think that we should really have more conversations about in our communities, in our homes, in our churches, in our wherever we are, in our schools, about, um, yes, like you said, life insurance, home ownership, um, but, but saving for who's going to take care of our parents when they, when they get older and they need a little bit more help. Exactly. Wow. I think that you just definitely... You know, just being able to have a plan. I think that ultimately, um, and this is where I want to just kind of like put the nuggets together of like everything you said because it's so rich. And I want, as people listen, like what are the main things they should walk away from? And I would say, um, just to kind of give you time to think about what what would you say would be like the major the major three takeaways? I would say for me that I've even taken from this conversation is just having a plan and. So many times, you know, and, and I love that you hit not just even in our finances, but when it comes to our health, when it comes to just any kind of goal we want to set, if we don't have like a day-to-day like benchmark plan of what we're going to do to start reversing some of these habits, we're going to continue a month later saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get to the gym. You know what I mean? I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this or, you know, I am going to save. I'm able to get this, but we don't actually have a plan that those ideas just stay just that they just become ideas and don't become fruit of what we really can move forward in. And so if you could like think of three basic things that people should walk away from this conversation when it comes to money talk, not only just as an adult, but as it relates to our children so that we can start really embedding these kind of habits into them, what would be like the three takeaways you would think that are super important so i would say the first thing maybe one of the biggest things and i didn't say this earlier but i'll say it here um i had to stop telling people to focus on their dreams in my workshops Mm. now i say think about your fears think about your nightmares because your fears um is always going to be more powerful than the hope of your dreams the fear of your nightmare is always going to be more powerful. It's always going to drive you because we're a lot of things that we do from day to day is really rooted in fear of something. Um, yep. And so those are the things that are, if you think about what, what are my fears? What does that picture look like? My fear is that 30 years from now, my children will be in a bad financial situation and, and they will, you know, go through this bad cycle. They'll repeat the cycle because I didn't teach them what I should teach them today. My fear is that we're going to have some kind of emergency. I'm going to receive a phone call of a loved one who, who is in dire need of something. And I'm not able to be a blessing to them. My fear is that I'll forever have to clock in at this job and never have peace of mind. My, 
Think about mm-hmm. those fears and they are going to keep you motivated when you're in the mall, when you're on Amazon, when you are doing various things on social media, wasting time, when you could be doing research or something else. When you when your children are in the store and they're asking for things, those fears are going to click to you to say that I need to run from this fear. I need to run from this and I need to do something today that will take me one step away from at least one step away from that fear so that is number one number two number two is of course to have a plan i know you said that but when i say have a plan make it colorful create a a meme of it put it as your screensaver look at it all the time whatever it is again if it is you and your family in bermuda whatever it can be anything but make it real make it colorful feel yourself there what are you wearing what are, you know what I mean what are the kids yeah. what are the kids yelling about or what are they happy smiling about or whatever <laughs> because that again will be indebted in your mind because when we have those moments our minds actually our brain doesn't know whether we're really imagining it or if it's really happening so mm-hmm. if you close your eyes and you imagine yourself on the beach or wherever your brain will begin to react to that thinking that you're actually really there and so um, we don't realize how powerful our minds are um, and we don't always use it in a way to move us forward. So that is that, to create a plan, but also to yeah. create bite-sized actions, small bite-sized actions. Do not try to eat the whole whale. What can I do today? What can I do tomorrow? What can I do? Just make a list of things, even as they come to you, whether you need to put it in your phone, have a little notepad or whatever, um, make a little list of things. Oh, I could do that. Oh, I can do that. Make note of it. When you have a moment, do do at least one thing on the list. It doesn't have to be in any type of order or anything. Do one thing on the list and you will begin to feel more peaceful. You'll begin to feel more accomplished. You'll be able to feel yourself pulling away from those fears, away from that past, away from those cycles. And the better you feel, the better you will do. Yeah. The better you feel, the better you would do. And so a lot of what I go through in sessions is trying to um, help you understand the power of changing your mind that would change your life. So um, those are, the, I would say, be the top three for sure. Get your fears together, um, create a realistic, colorful plan, and give yourself little bite-sized, realistic steps that you can do every day to get you to there. I love it, love it, love it. So First, let me say thank you so much for taking this time to speak and just to share and just to talk about, you know, like what are some things that we can just practically do to be able to change the narrative when it comes to money in our in our um, homes? Because I believe that so many times, like you said, it's either a conversation that we don't have or if this is a conversation that we're having, it may not always be the most positive conversation. Right. We we look at money as, oh, that's something that our family has already always struggled with or something mm-hmm. that maybe I'm not the best at managing it. And so that's the type of kind of conversations we have and not necessarily building like these new habits of hope. And, you know, so first let me just say thank you for that because I truly appreciate all the different nuggets that you've given. Um, before we get off, though, I you must and you must, you must, must share about your book. <laughs> Because um, 
you don't know, Rachel has an amazing book that she has um, written, and it is an Amazon number one bestseller. And I'm so excited because um, we have a copy, and my son has actually been reading through it. And I'm I'm just excited to be able to um, have a tangible thing that can be used to be able to start having those kind of conversations. So if you sharing about your book, the the motivation behind it, and then just how people can get it, and that can be the way they're able to stay in connection with you. So Amber's Magical Savings Box is an interactive children's book, teaches kids about earning and saving money. It comes with a savings journal. It comes with goal-setting sheets for the kids, and it comes with daily affirmations. And again, for me, it was um, about understanding that before seven, all these triggers and all these connections are being made um, for children. And if you're like me, um, that wasn't a good thing. <laughs> so um, I wanted yeah. to do something. <laughs> I wanted to stop the cycle for sure. Um, and Amber is actually my niece who passed away here in Philadelphia at the age of three. So I wanted to do something to honor her, but also give the next generation of millionaires a head start on their road to financial freedom. So the book is for ages three to 10 and it is, yes, available everywhere. Books are sold, Target, Walmart, Amazon, Barnes Noble, everywhere <laughs> books are sold. I am actually starting the second portion of the Barnes and Noble book tour on Saturday. So I'm really excited about that. Um, we sold, we sold out of multiple uh, store locations in the summer, um, almost 300 books sold in six weeks in, in stores. So we are looking to do it again, but we're adding some schools and, and, and some things like that, a few surprises along the way. So I'm excited about that. But the book can be purchased everywhere books are sold and I can be found. My website is rachelhannibal.com, R-A-C-H-A-L. H-A-N-I-B-L-E um, and I do one-on-one sessions for adults and I do group sessions for kids and all that good stuff oh and my Instagram is <laughs> yes yes at pep talks P-E-P-T-A-L-K-S underscore so I give out free finance tips every Friday on Facebook and on Instagram um, and I've been doing that for almost a year now and it's going pretty well. So if you want some free finance tips, follow me on Facebook um, or be my friend on Facebook and follow me on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. And I am yeah, so excited to hear just like people's feedback and comments from this conversation. And again, just thank you for being able to share your story and also to give us tips so we can start creating our own narratives of different endings and not being stuck in these ruts when it comes to finances. Yes. Cool, cool. Well, thank you. Have a, a wonderful rest of your day. You too. All right. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.